Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. I am Stephen Thompson and this is my experience. Well, welcome to episode four of season three. And this season we're looking at leadership through the music of Stevie Wonder and specifically looking at the album Songs in the Key of Life. And this week, the song I'm going to be using is Knocks Me Off My Feet. Now, I remember hearing Knocks Me Off My Feet in college. And my roommate at the time had a copy of the CD. At the time, it was CDs. We didn't stream our music. I didn't have a Spotify account. But we had a CD, physical album. And we got that using Columbia House. I don't know if anybody remembers Columbia House. But way back in the day, you could use Columbia House. You would send them a penny. And then they would send you... 10 albums or cassettes or CDs and then you would agree to purchase CDs or albums from Columbia House at regular price for maybe two to three years. I think you only had to buy four and you got those 10 CDs at the beginning. But the thing was nobody really paid for those CDs or cassettes or tapes or albums. No one paid for them. It was just really one big scam and I remember you know even roommates using multiple names at different addresses in order to get those CDs. So, this was a B-side. Means Knocks Me Off My Feet was not released as a single. So you wouldn't have found it on the charts. It was remade by other artists years later, but it wasn't something that you would have heard on the radio. Now, B-side, remember when I was growing up, if there was a favorite song that I enjoyed, I would go to the drugstore and they would sell 45s. So remember one, the Thompson Twins. My last name was Thompson. I remember being, I think, in sixth grade. And the Thompson Twins were big. And I'd go out and buy. I wouldn't buy their whole album because that cost like $10. And I didn't have $10. And if I did, I don't want to spend it all on the album and then get two songs that I liked and the rest of them I didn't. So you got what was popular. And you bought it on a 45. Now on the back of the 45, there was a song that usually was on the album but it wasn't released it was called the b-side so knocks me off my feet was a b-side means it was not the song that was advertised it was not the song that people were going into the store to purchase it was a b-side song so that brings us to our first point today is this do something different in your leadership in your professional life do something different maybe you're feeling anxious maybe you're feeling stressed so do something different here's something here Ben Fletcher and Karen Pine, two professors, did a study called Doing Something Different. And they found in this study, over a thousand people were involved in this study, they found that simply doing something different and changing your behavior could reduce anxiety and depression. Now this doesn't have to be something huge. Okay, we don't have to go Elizabeth Gilbert, eat, pray, love. Okay, you don't have to go to Ibiza, you don't have to quit your job, you don't have to quit your relationship or your marriage or your friends. You don't need to do something that big. And that could be damaging, in fact, if you do something that big or radical. You may actually cause people to worry. But there's simple things that you can do differently, small things. Like, for example, I listen to new music. This week I listen to some country music. I don't particularly... Country music is not my go-to music, but I wanted to do something different, so I listened to some country music this week. I also found a new artist. I use Spotify, and they have a new release Friday. So there was a song called Redbone by a guy named Childish Gambino. And then I was listening to Childish Gambino all this morning. Another example is 
I use MoviePass. MoviePass is probably one of the greatest things ever invented. You pay $9.95 a month, and then you get to see one movie a day. Now, my goal this year is now I'm going to see all the Oscar-nominated movies. I'm down to two out of the ten that I need to see. But I saw Call Me By Your Name and Phantom Thread this week. I would never have gone and saw those at the box office normally shelling out my regular money. Now, Call Me By Your Name, what was really cool is that they played Love Your Way by the Psychedelic Furs. I hadn't heard that song forever, but now I've been listening to the Psychedelic Furs all week. Not something necessarily that is my go-to, but because I decided to do something different, I got the benefits of doing something different and experiencing something different, and probably my stress level was reduced a bit this week. So that's our first tip. Now, the theme for the week from our song, there's something about your love. We're going to talk about love this week. We're going to dive deep into love. Love is all over. But here's some lyrics for the song that got me thinking about love and this concept of love in our leadership, love at work, love in our relationships. Here's how the song begins. I see us in the park, strolling through the summer days of imaginings in my head, and words from our heart, told only to the wind, felt even without being said. I don't want to bore you with my trouble, but there's something about your love that makes me weak and knocks me off my feet. There's something about your love that makes me weak and knocks me off my feet. I don't want to bore you with it. Oh, but I love you. I love you. I love you. I don't want to bore you with it. Oh, but I love you. I love you. I love you. More and more. We lay beneath the stars under a lover's tree that's seen through the eyes of my mind. I reach out for the part of me that lives in you that only our two hearts can find. But I don't want to bore you with my trouble. But there's something about your love that makes me weak and knocks me off my feet. There's something about your love that makes me weak and knocks me off my feet. Now this is beautiful imagery. There's something about our love. But you know what? Love is deeper than we think. And I want to unpack love right now and unpack love in this podcast today. And, and tie it into our personal life, tie it into our leadership, tie it into our workplace, and how we approach what we do each day from a position of love. And to do this, I want to go back to a sermon that Martin Luther King delivered in 1967. We all know Martin Luther King as a civil rights activist, but also Martin Luther King was a minister. He was trained as a minister. His doctorate came from ministry. So Dr. King first delivered this sermon that I want to talk about. It was called the Christmas Eve Sermon on Peace. And it was delivered at the Ebenezer Baptist Church, and he was served as co-pastor. It was on Christmas Eve, 1967. And the reason why we have a copy of this is that the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation aired this sermon as a part of their lecture series called the Massey Lectures. Now the Massey Lectures were a usually a yearly five-part series of lectures and they had political, cultural, or philosophical themes given in Canada by a noted scholar. And this was created in the 60s to honor Vincent Massey, the governor of Canada. So their purpose of having the Massey lectures is to enable distinguished authorities 
to communicate the results of original study on important subjects of community contemporary interest. So love is obviously something that everybody is involved in. We love, we don't love, we have relationships. I think about the last two movies I saw, Call Me By Your Name and The Phantom Thread, were about love. Even Jumanji had a love interest in it. So you can't escape love. Over the holidays, my wife loves to watch Hallmark movies. And every one of those Hallmark Christmas movies has a love story in it. So, love is all over. Now, in this, in this sermon, what particularly struck, stood out to me, was how MLK broke down love. And he broke it down into three meanings from the Greek. The first was Eros. And Eros, you know, is the god of love the son of Aphrodite. Now, Eros love is often that creative, the yearning, the desire, the impulses that allow men and women to get into relationships and to drive. And that Eros love is when you hear things like the imagery, we lay beneath the stars, under a lover's tree. That, that's Eros. The second type of love that MLK talked about was this. Philo, it's tender affection. There's relationships with people that we care about. And the third description of love that he talked about was the attitude, agape love, which is an attitude that all people have been placed on earth you know, by God with unique abilities and the hopes that they are going to use these abilities in a responsible way. And we believe that other people have been blessed with talents and abilities. And we're not necessarily in a relationship with them, but we can acknowledge that in a person. And that was very critical in how he explained that because that allowed him then to go into his philosophy of nonviolence. Now, when we look at most popular verses in readings at weddings, I looked that up, and one of the most popular verses that are read at a wedding comes from 1 Corinthians 13. And paraphrase it, there's a lot of love is. And they go into talking about love is patient, it's kind, it protects, it trusts, it hopes, it perseveres. Pretty much as the, the song by Boston, it, it's more than a feeling. So how are we going to act in, <clears throat> in the face of love? And what do these definitions about love have to do with our work and with our leadership? You know, do we love? We always hear these terms all the time. Love the people you work with. I've read leadership books. Love the people. Love the people. Then I'll constantly hear self-improvement books. Love your job. Do what you love. So as we look at those three definitions that I gave you, Eros, Philo, and Agape, when you're approaching your career, your leadership, what are you looking for? Have we analyzed that? Or is it just simply, I love my job? Well, I think a lot of that, when you just simply say, I love my job, you're kind of in the eros part of it. You can't live in eros. Okay, eros is only in our heads. Eros is kind of an imagination. If we only live in eros, we run into problems. So we need Philo and Agape. And specifically, 
in our workplace, I want to look at this. Robert Sternberg came up with this theory called the triangular theory of love. And there's three things that he discusses about love. There's intimacy. He defines that as feelings of closeness, connection, and bondness in loving relationships. It also has feelings that give rise to the experience of warmth being in a relationship. Then there's passion. And passion refers to the drive that can lead to romance and physical attraction, sexual consummation, and related things in a loving relationship. The passion component, Sternberg argues, is a source of motivation. And it leads to experiences in a loving relationship. And then finally, he talks about decisions and commitment. Now, this is pretty powerful. Now, decision and commitment is often overlooked. This aspects mean that you are going to, you know, love somebody and be with them for their entire life. You are going to be with them, you know, this, when the minister at the wedding says, through sickness and in health, good times and bad times. Uh, that's the commitment. But you're not going to break that vow, that commitment that you've made to somebody. That is what... Corinthians talks about trusts, perseveres, hopes. You see, that is more than eros. That is more than just the feeling of love. It's more than just the buzzword of love. It's more than just the statement of love. It is an action that you're going to have to do something in the relationship to show and prove that you love somebody. It's not just being there, sitting under the stars. It's more than the eros. And I think about my mother and father were married for over 45 years. And at the end of my father's life, he passed away of cancer. My mother would take care of him every single day. My father was a very strong man, very strong man. Worked very hard, was a World War II veteran. Very strong, but cancer ravaged him. Pancreatic cancer ravaged him to where he couldn't take care of himself on a daily basis, but my mother would have to. My mother would have to, you know, change bedpans, change his clothes, bathe him, those kind of things, clean up after him. When, when a person is dying of cancer or dying, it is not a pretty time. And that is what love is. When it says always trusts, always perseveres, always protects. So it's there, there. It's more than eros. It's much more. You see, when you watch those Lifetime movies, there's always this, it ends at eros, correct? There's the walks on the beach. There's the warm fire where they're drinking cocoa. They all go to the town dance. It's beautiful. They look at the sunset, and then they kiss, and the movie is over. That's Eros. And that's great. You need Eros to even get in the door. But it's more than that. So answer these questions for yourself in your own leadership. Is there intimacy in your leadership? That means are you close to the people you work with in a philo sense that you, that you enjoy them being there? You enjoy being around them. Is that intimacy in your leadership? 
You know, the second thing, think about the task you do each day. Do you have intimacy in your tasks at your job? I think about the Phantom Thread. If you haven't saw that, it's a movie about a man who is a dressmaker. And not just any dressmaker, but the best dressmaker in London. He makes dresses for royalty. He was connected with the tasks. Hand drawing, sewing dresses. There was intimacy there. Stevie Wonder in recording his album. As I talk about in other episodes, he wanted to work anywhere he wanted to, with anyone he wanted to. There was a craft. He was into that. So ask yourself that question. Is there intimacy in your leadership? Ask yourself, is this, are you passionate in your leadership? That means, are you driven? Do you seek out connection with other people? Do you seek out connection with your job? Let's put aside people for a second. The tasks that you do each day, are you passionate about them? Are you connected to them? And decision that you make each and every day. And that comes down to commitment. That is showing up every day. This is where love comes in. It's the trusting and the hoping you're trusting and you're hoping and you're persevering and that right there is about you we all have talents gifts and abilities and we have an obligation to those talents gifts and abilities minus the results minus the results think about that the results are yes we get paid for our job Yes, we get a sense of accomplishment but if all of those wiped away we still would have an obligation to our gifts and talents and our abilities and do we make a decision each day to honor them okay so what do you want to do in your leadership to generate more love like I said arrows get you in the door Philo is a choice and agape well even if people don't like you you're gonna give them back to the universe and let the universe give them justice and mercy and help them find the way. And that was the distinction that MLK drew, drew in the speech. He said, we're not going to philo love the people who are, you know, seeking dogs on us and turning, you know, water hoses on us. We're not going to hang around with them every day, but we are going to give them agape love. We are going to hand them over to the universe, believing that there is something there, that they are here for some sort of purpose, and the universe will deal with them. And that allows them not to damage themselves by hurting someone else. So in our own leadership, and even as we close out today, I want to give you this to work on. We always hear the golden rule. The golden rule is great. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what I've noticed about the golden rule, and this is applicable in the workplace, is this. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Leadership books all the time are talking about servant leadership, loving your people, being kind to the people who are around you. That is great. But then we also wonder this. Why do we have depression and why do we have anxiety if we're promoting love your neighbor? Think about this. We're giving, we love our neighbor in this country. The, I believe the majority of us do. Yes, there are fringes that don't, but the majority of us do. When 
the hurricane season came around millions was millions of dollars were, was raised were raised people donated blood from the website giving usa in the website giving usa total charitable donations rose this year to a new high of 390 billion dollars that's how much the people in the united states are giving to charity each year 390 billion dollars and that's up so yeah financial giving is not everything okay i'm not saying that just because you give money that means you love somebody but it is a step in the right direction because if you didn't give to somebody if you just were completely selfish we wouldn't have those numbers so there is a positive aspect to giving even when you give financially there is a receiver and the receiver benefits from your gift so that is an act of love giving is an act of love but then why do we have depression rates and anxiety and stress and why do we do we go and seek out you know pleasure in alcohol or pleasure in drugs or new relationships and we're not content and we're not grateful well look at part two of that as yourself love your neighbor as yourself so that means laid out in the golden rule that there should be some loving of yourself that goes on and we can't simply look at taking care of yourself as a selfish act taking care of yourself is necessary and needed if you don't take care of yourself then you have depression and anxiety and it's proven scientifically there are studies out there that talk about self-care I mean really if you don't take care of a baby the baby will end up being harmed if you don't take care of your animals the animals will be will end up being harmed same situation the same concept we have to take care of ourselves and if we don't do that we are harming ourselves so what do I want to close out with the author John Gordon the author of the book the energy bus gave me this activity that I found draw a heart on a piece of paper inside of that heart write down all the things you love about yourself in that heart and make sure they're all arrows make sure that they're philo make sure that they're agape and then there'll be something about your love and it's gonna make you weak and it's gonna knock you off your feet this is Stephen Thompson this is the Stephen Thompson experience I'm Stephen Thompson and this is my experience go knock yourself off your feet this week love yourself have a great week bye bye